Uh, since he is unavailable, the part of Omar will be played by a sleeping French bulldog. You might be able who to... actually knows how to make a list of five. <laughs> you might be able to hear him in the background. Yeah, if you hear snoring, that's not one of the hosts. Well, it might be. Angus the Frenchie. Could be. Depends on how long I talk. <laughs> so, you are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 255. We're getting up there. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about some very entertaining things. This uh, Normally we talk about things like pop culture, entertainment news, movies, music, books, Florida, kind of whatever catches our eye in the week. My name is Valserion, and I'm joined by Sir Herathor, the bloody urine. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't like to talk about how I got my name. But I've accepted my lot in life. And it's not a lot. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about the new release on Disney Plus, She-Hulk, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. We're going to discuss the HBO Max first episode of The House of the Dragon. And we're also going to talk about a kind of a horror flick that we missed when it came out called Black Phone. We make some assumptions when we record these podcasts. We assume you know what happens when you assume that all yeah we we make we assume that all of our listeners are in some sort of jail being punished by being forced to listen to us. We also assume that you've already seen some of the things we're going to talk about or don't mind minor spoilers. So that is our assumption and we're also going to assume that if we do spoil something you are well aware that that's going to happen, and you will not write us angry emails. And if you do, you should address them to Omar. Uh, that's uh, Omar at giantpenispumps.com. Yes. Also known as always the Give a Me very Five Podcast. Big <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always a big problem when one of the hosts is in here. Nothing good happens. No. No, that's what happens when you miss an episode. So, um... I don't think that there was a whole lot of entertainment news, but it looks like you did slip something in. <laughs> yeah. I heard that things. as it came out of my... Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to let him keep going. <laughs> I heard that as I was saying it. How about that? We'll go with that. There we go. Yes. Uh, you, big fan of Knives Out, if I remember correctly? I was, yes. And I uh, just saw the announcement that Knives Out Two, the, also known as the Glass Onion, is going to be coming out uh, on Netflix on December twenty third. So it come, it's going to be a fun little like Christmas family movie watching experience. Is it? Is it direct? I'm assuming it's directed video or just produced strictly by Netflix. Uh, it's produced by Netflix. It uh, is still directed by. It's the same creative team behind the original, so the quality should be still there. Does it still have um, Daniel Craig? That I don't know, but the cast is insane. We were talking about that before. If you, uh, I will look that up okay 
So yeah, if if you guys remember, we talked about Knives Out, and we all we I think all of us actually had very good things to say about it. It was a very well done movie. It was very clever. The acting was phenomenal. I was kind of concerned about Daniel Craig's uh, southern accent, but it, it wasn't too jarring. It didn't pull me out of the movie, and ultimately, I think all of us just loved the movie. Uh, Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, Daniel Craig, okay, Dave Batista, oh, Catherine Hahn, Kate Hudson. Janelle Monet, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick. So that's like so it's a new cast, but it does have Daniel Craig in it. Yes, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. Nice. Uh, yeah, I didn't see it right away when you got when you guys saw it. I I bought it on. Actually, I th- it was one of those weird ones where it was like at the public's cash register. It was and it was like cheap, so I just bought it. Oh, gotcha. And, okay. And I enjoyed it. Good old fashioned mystery with hijinks and. Excellent. Speaking of lightning striking twice, I believe we've got another naked Florida man. Oh, well, I, I did want to talk a little no, bit No, shut up. I've moved this. on. <laughs> oh, but I wanted to talk a little about the uh, the HBO uh, Max situation because I, I did some research. Oh, OK. All right. Well, I this is something I do want to hear a little bit about. So go ahead. Yeah. OK. So for those of you that are out of the loop when it comes to entertainment but you might have HBO Max. Uh, there is a lot of stuff leaving HBO Max. There's actually, it's funny because if you look up things about like HBO Max controversy or Discovery Channel controversy, things like that, uh, there's a long list of things that that one search string could be talking about. Uh, one of which is HBO Max quietly basically said, oh, all this stuff is leaving. Now, stuff comes and goes from streaming services all the time. But, you know, companies like Netflix, they'll say, hey, in August, this is going to be leaving. About giving you about a month to stream it, binge it, do whatever. Right. Uh, This was just random. Oh, yeah, tomorrow this is going away. Yeah, Monday that's going away. Like, it just disappeared. Um, Scroll down in my notes here, so... Uh, Discovery Channel is merging with, uh, I guess, Warner Brothers, which you would think Warner Brothers would be the bigger company, but I believe Discovery Channel somehow is. And it's kind of overtaking all of that stuff. Therefore, the uh, mm-hmm. apparently notoriously cheap uh, CEO of Discovery Channel is now the CEO of the various Warner Brothers entities. Uh, he is basically stripping HBO Max, which is a successful venture to the bone. For some reason. Hmm. Um, so a few of us probably heard about this a couple weeks ago that the Batgirl movie was killed off. It is a $90 million movie that was mostly completed. Um, I would say close to 100%. Um, said that they're doing it for a $20 million tax break. What that means is that that movie is going into a vault and it can never come out because if it comes out and they make any money on it, that is tax fraud. Um, the, the directors of the movie literally were, um, when they started getting an inkling of this happening, we're talking within a 24 hour period from what I've read. And again, we're not Hollywood insiders here. Everything is that we know is filtered through. I I did as much research as possible to try to be as accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. Reading uh, variety, um, AV club, uh, insider tweets from people that are largely in the know and mm-hmm. aren't 
and whose careers would be fairly worse if they were lying. So we'll just say that. Um, So anyway, uh, directors wanted something from that movie. They went to get to the servers where those movies are stored, and the servers were completely, they were locked out of them completely. They couldn't even get so much as a screenshot that they, you know, they hadn't even, if they did not, like, tweet a set picture or something, that's it. They don't have anything from that movie. So we will probably never see that. Hmm. Um, they said some of the HBO or uh, whatever, the higher-ups, the, the C-suite people said it had nothing to do with the quality of the movie. We're just going in a different direction. Um, who goes in a different direction with a $90 million investment just to get $20 million back? Yeah, that, that sounds suspect. Yeah. Um, I, I got... I gotta believe that there's either a something wrong with it, or b some kind of agenda, mm-hmm. or or they're just willing to sacrifice it because they think they can make more money from the tax break than they would from the actual movie. Yeah, I don't know. That's such a broad amount of money and i we I, don't know the ins i mean i just i, I don't just know. don't know how that's a solid business decision if there's not something wrong the discovery channel like they're known for cheaply producing stuff that's why there's i believe they also run hgtv if i remember correctly and mm-hmm. food network that's a lot of that stuff is fairly cheap to produce um now some other things this happened on monday so just just yeah just yesterday uh they canceled batman the cape crusader which was um, the successor to Batman in the Animated Series, which I loved as a kid. Uh, it was actually the return of Bruce Timm, who actually worked on Batman in the Animated Series. And it was produced by some dude named J.J. Abrams. That's a pretty big name to fuck over. Hmm. Um, now, here's a question for you, and I, you may not be able to answer that, but if at some point later on, instead of releasing the movie and getting profits if they just sell the movie outright to somebody else and let them air it and then pay taxes on what they actually sold does that still count i'm this is just a guess and tax attorneys out there um i could do a seance and bring my dad back he was a tax attorney Ooh. or not attorney he was a tax accountant um field trip none of this none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. So it's entirely possible that a giant company well, could reach out to the IRS. vacuum is small to have that happen in any way. Yeah, true. True. Very cozy. I've got one um, of those stand-up uh, stick uprights, so I, you can't oh, do nice. anything in there. Yeah. Uh, Omar has one of those ones with a tube, and it has, like, this weird thing on the end of it that looks a little bit like a, a lady bit, mm. like a lady part. We're not going to talk... Uh, he, oh, we're not supposed to talk about that on the air, but... Oh no, we're talking about it. Now, anyway, um, I, I mean, none of the like they could maybe—I don't know how this works—they could maybe reach out to the IRS and be like, "Look, we made a mistake. If we pay our back taxes, this is how much we didn't pay, and here's the you know percentage or whatever." I'm sure that I'm sure that the uh, IRS will be more than happy to take their money. Um, so yeah, the the Batman thing, um, kids movies that. Oh, the the Batman one is a little bit different because that is being produced by a subsidiary studio. And if 
they they are able to sell that one because that's not part of the tax break because it has not been completed yet or not been like a majority of it has not been done uh some kids movies kind of the same thing they're still they do have the option to try to sell this off but there's a gumball movie that was partially done two looney tunes movies a steve urkel christmas movie which i don't understand why that would get greenlit to be honest we're like way out of that time frame (laughs) and it's not like people like i mean we were a little bit out of that time frame ourselves like he started becoming famous when we had kind of moved on no no i mean i mean the that being actually something that people would go see that's what i'm saying like we were out of that time frame already but like if you look back like i don't know of anyone that's like man i really miss the steve urkel days (laughs) right yeah um so that was that um on top of this, so there's destruction of fully finished films. There's massive layoffs, which it's a merger. I get it. Um, you know, when you have two companies that do similar things, there's going to be jobs that become the same. You know, like HR, because mm-hmm. it's it's getting merged. Um, so in some cases, I get that, but there's also like because Discovery Channel does a lot of re- what we would call reality TV or documentaries and stuff like that. They basically killed off the entire HBO team already. Um, they removed, uh, They seven years ago, they bought the rights to Sesame Street, um, and they basically removed 500 episodes of Sesame Street from HBO Max because they didn't want to pay residuals on them, and then mocked Sesame Street in the press somehow, like took swipes at them in the press. I don't know exactly what was said. Um, and, of course, the huge numbers of kid shows. Um, including this week. It was announced this week, and it happened this week. Uh, and this is where we're going to prove that we don't follow kids' shows very closely. Uh, Aquaman, King of Atlantis, Close Enough, Dodo, Elliot from Earth, Esme and Roy, The Fungies, Infinity Train, which was a big deal because that one is very hard to find now. Uh, Little Ellen, which, again, the same person that, <laughs> that um, greenlit the Urkel movie, Urkel Christmas movie, probably also greenlit the uh ellen little ellen which is a kid version of ellen degeneres (laughs) what because i know when i was a kid following a talk show host was exactly what i wanted to do um uh, mia's magic playground mighty magic swords odo and okko which actually i've heard of that one so those all just disappeared poof so again they're low performers i get it but I, this had to be a plan, mm-hmm. you know, just to, and also there's some contractual stuff that like people might be like, yeah, you know, I'll direct, you know, like a bigger director or something like that might be like, I'll do Aquaman King of Atlantis for less money if you give me 5%. And now it's just gone. So it's actually screwing over a lot of people and most, and I found this mm-hmm. out from, from, both talking to people in the industry. Uh, those residuals in Hollywood, usually what those do is those go to um, pay what like we would consider benefits. Mm-hmm. So, like you get your money, that's your salary, but like the residuals, that's what's, you know, rather than getting a, a random check every month for like a hundred bucks, that's like your health insurance. Um, so that's that where it gets kind of wrapped up. So a lot of these people, they might have be living off the residuals. It might be a nice little check every once in a while of like, yeah, maybe the new Aquaman movie came out and twice as many people watch it. So you get a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. 
but it seems like from what I read and saw that it's putting some people in the lurch because all of a sudden their dental insurance is done, huh. is like not getting paid. So kind of an interesting thing there. So uh, this is all based on David Zaslov, the Discovery CEO, um, who, by the way, makes $285 million a year and is likely to make more now that it is going to be a uh, um, a combination thing. So. Hmm. Uh, not so uh, sure. I don't know. And we're going to say some nice things about HBO later in this episode. Very likely. And it, I don't like bashing any company, to be honest. Um, I don't. But eh, it's, sometimes you know, some, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I I am largely would like most companies to be successful. Absolutely. Because when when companies are successful, you get better product, usually. Hopefully. You know, I I, I hope this is not a sign of all of a sudden, you know, it's the first domino to fall in, like, streaming stuff. Well, there have been a lot of talk about uh, streaming services being in trouble. Um, Netflix posted a drop in subscribers for the first time in I don't know how long over the last quarter and there's talk about them being in trouble and having to cancel some stuff that they had in the works. Um, I think there's been some discussion about Disney, Disney plus having some problems. It's, it's just, I don't know. I, it, it's weird because I mean, streaming seems like the go-to form of entertainment and I don't think people are going back to cable. It's just, I mean, are people deciding they can just some, live without movies? Some of it is a TV? little bit. Some of it is a little bit uh, weird numbers because you know, if a, a company will just say, and I know Target's had some things, and I'm not entirely sure about how this works, so I'm gonna probably make a fool out of my, myself if any business graduates are listening. But like, yeah, if, make example, fun of this when man. I, when I was, um, you know, doing sales. Say one month I had two hundred percent of my normal sales. Okay, so I do two hundred percent better, like which actually happened to me one year when I was doing sales for the newspaper, and then that was right before that was a, my sales went up two hundred percent because it was right at the end of the semester when everyone was trying to find their new apartments, and I went to all the apartment complexes and got more people. But then I got in trouble in June because my sales fell. Well, it didn't fall below what they were before that 200% month. They just weren't as high as that 200% month because there weren't as many students. Well, they're like, oh, why did your sales fall? And that's kind of sometimes like what happens because like if you remember, everyone was doing streaming right. in 2020. Right, and that's what I was, was going to say. I mean, if you're comparing your numbers to 2020 where everybody was locked up and they had nothing to do other than stream shit, I mean, your numbers are going to be down. That's that's the thing. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, also, the, all of this stuff um, caused uh, Warner Brothers stock to uh, tank, and they actually lost a significantly larger amount of money than they saved by doing this stuff. Excellent. Um, I don't. I saw the number. It's, I can't find it in this particular article, but it was. Uh, but. That could have been the plan all along. You're not wrong. 
it could have been the plan to tank the stock so that they could just buy. I mean, I know that they've bought out or they own it or whatever, but to buy up the shares and then build it back up or with another plan in mind to build it back up. So maybe if you have the opportunity to buy Warner Brothers shares, you might want to consider doing it. Currently at $12.71. I had said in my mind that if Disney stock fell below 100, I was going to try to get some, but it always hovered just above it. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. So that's that's that. If uh, anyone is smarter than me out there, feel free to contact the show. We'll even put you on. And you can try to explain it to uh, you know, us dummies. <laughs> All you have to do is buy us Warner Brothers stock. Learn us some things. Okay. So now you can do your thing with the stuff. My thing with the stuff. Well, like I was saying, lightning has struck twice. We've got another naked Florida man. Today's feature is Christopher Verstratton, 33. I love, I love me a naked Florida man. Yeah, 33 of St. Petersburg. So the story really doesn't go too far in depth, but on Saturday night, he decided to crawl through the window of a Taco Bell completely naked and then proceed to just lay on the floor and refuse to leave. Um, well, we know his name, so we know he's not a certain host. Yeah, well, yeah. So the police were called. They, I mean, guess what happened? They showed up, naked guy laying on the floor, refusing to get up. They arrested him, and that was kind of it. But it's like, meth. It's got to be meth, dude. People on meth do some weird shit. Yeah, that's true. And did you see this guy's mugshot? No, I the last mugshot I saw was the the guy with no arms that tried to stab someone with his feet. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. But I mean, this guy kind of looks like oh, this guy kind of looks I'm like a Googling Woody Harrelson Taco on, Bell guy. on meth. He looks like who on meth? A Woody Harrelson on meth. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess I am googling uh, naked Taco Bell. This is terrible. I'm gonna naked Taco Bell. That's gonna be in your search history, and you're. <laughs> Your, your search engine is going to be suggesting like Snuggies for you to eat Taco Bell in. Yeah, it is. And what's funny is I, if I'm if my search engine is ever weird and it makes suggestions, I usually will search stuff in front of a group of like, you know, 10 to 20 students. And it does a little drop down. It'll be like, you know. Do you want George Went foot pictures? <laughs> How did that get in there? I have no I, idea what that is about. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer nipple picks. What? <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm going with Cheers references, but did you, did you find was, his mugshot? I am uh, clicking right now. Naked Pete. He was from St. Pete. Oh yeah, yes he does. <laughs> he looks like yeah. a Woody Harrelson on meth. Yeah, he does. And you're welcome for that. <sighs> I swear, should interview these people. We've got Naked Florida man. He's going to review the next movie with us. We're going to do Gremlins too. <laughs> Oh, my God. So that's our WTF for the week. Welcome to Florida. Sigh.
But should you yeah. want to be in on these discussions prior to the show, you could join our you. Patreon and be and be invited into our Discord chat where you would get to chat with a whole bunch of lovely people about stuff like this and about various movies and topics that we will discuss. You could also submit your own top five list for just $5 a month. It would help us out and you could then interact with Omar and his vacuum. Well, maybe not. He's very sensitive about that. He once accused his vacuum of cheating on him. <gasps> and you can, for that, you can go to patreon.com slash give me five podcast. I was really worried that the Florida man was going to be me. Oh, it could have um, been. I almost had a fist fight with a raccoon this week. With the, <laughs> with the raccoon? Yeah, I've been. My money would have been on the raccoon, actually. I've been growing pineapples. In my backyard, and one of them was very close to being done. Fact, oh, I had, my neighbor was there. Bastard! Uh, it was probably uh, one and a half to two years of growing the pineapple, and I was I looked at him like, "Ooh, this is almost done." And then I went out the other day to to get said pineapple, and it was gone. And I found a desiccated pineapple with little tiny raccoon little teeth marks in it. Um, so. If, this, if you ever hear a story of a new Florida man fist fighting a raccoon, that's me. And the raccoon you, is going to get what's coming to it. You, you really need to move that onto the patio where, where it can still catch some sun, but onto the patio. Yeah. It's funny because, like, that's a really great way to know that it's, uh, that it's done. Like, you, you know it's perfectly ripe when the raccoon steals it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, someone did suggest that I pee on it every day. I will not be eating fruit at that person's house. You prob- that is probably a bad idea. Yeah. Someone else suggested wolf urine. I'm like, how do I get wolf urine? Sneak up on a wolf with like a little jar? <laughs> Wait for him to mark, and you just slide the cup in? <laughs> yeah. And wolf peeing and like looks around with that like snarl on his face and like those piercing eyes like, <sighs> my bad. <laughs> You're like, it's all right. I just need it for the pineapple. Yeah. Okay. We got stuff to talk about here. We do. Why don't we, we why don't we start with She-Hulk? Okay. We do that. Uh She-Hulk. It is on Disney Plus. It, it debuted. Is. 8-18-22. I had a starring Tatiana Maslani, who I love. Mark Ruffalo, who I also love. Uh Ginger Gonzaga, who I do not know. Actually, uh, most people I don't know. Uh, Jamila Jamal, who I actually do know her. Um, Steve Coulter, Tim Roth, Benedict Wong, eventually they're not there yet, Charlie Cox, so on and so forth. Um, Jennifer Walters navigates the complicated life of a single 30-something attorney who also happens to be a green, 6-foot-7-inch superpowered Hulk. So, go ahead. What do you think? Um, I kind of liked the show. The show was enjoyable. It's kind of goofy. It's not completely out of the realm of Marvel. But the whole show is based off of bullshit. There's no way that this show ever happens, at least with the with the lore that they've installed. So, and that's, that's, like you're talking about the blood? That's simply because of the way she gets her powers. And the way she gets her powers 
is because there's a car accident and Bruce Banner is cut open and he bleeds into her into a wound that she has. And so his blood mixes with her blood and turns her into the Hulk. Now they've already established that the Hulk takes over when he's in danger. He said, I fire a bullet into my mouth and the big guy spits it out. So it happens instantly. And you're telling me that in a car wreck? in a car- He had that thing on that kept the Hulk from showing up. He had the wrist, that wrist thing. Did it? I don't think it kept the Hulk yeah, from showing up. Yeah, it prevents the Hulk up. from showing up because he... That's how he was healing his arm because the Hulk's the Hulk wasn't able to heal his arm from the, the reason he had the cast on was from the the end game thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had that thing on that was keeping him from becoming the Hulk. Okay, I missed that because I didn't think it kept him from becoming the Hulk, but it it helped keep him as smart Hulk. I thought that's what it was. It helped. It no, helped him from maintain. I, well, it let him control right. when, like when he was becoming the Hulk. Might be wrong. So I'm kind of on the same boat as you. It was interesting. It had some. It had some fun parts. Um, really, I I like her. Um, there was a few. Like I, I'm trying to remember. I, I sat on the ride home from work. I was kind of trying to remember. There was something that at the early on that it just seemed like the timing was off or the editing or the certain aspects of it were a little bit off, like either rushed in some areas and not rushed in others. Um, what was the most interesting part of that whole thing for you? Of the whole episode? Yeah. Um, probably when they were fighting. Okay, see, for me, it was the spaceship, just randomly there. So, like, the problem with that was... I don't know if they're going to ever explain it. I'm assuming they will. But there was this accident, which the spaceship causes the accident. Um, and then it's never, you don't see it. You don't know why it was there. But for the rest of the show, that's all I really cared about. Mm-hmm. Or not all, but that's what I was like, oh, I hope they explain this. Um, it was a Sakaran spaceship, so where the Hulk had been for those two years. Um, where the Grandmaster mm-hmm. and all those people were. So... A lot of people were theorizing that this is a hint that World War Hulk might come up. Like maybe the Hulk has a son up there because he was like a grand champion and all mm-hmm. this stuff. That's possible. But I was kind of, for a little while, like I was just waiting for that. I thought that was interesting. And then kind of the end, too. Like that other character randomly shows up and starts a fight in a courthouse that she finishes. Yeah, with but no like, no announcement, no demands, no just hey, I'm here. Hey, bang. Hey, hey. And let's, I, let's do this. Woo. And I think it was coincidence, right? Like they didn't know she was the Hulk yet at that point, right? I don't believe like, so. I think only her assistant knew. Yeah, her assistant did. Um so I thought that was a little bit weird. Like if they were trying to find a reason to out She-Hulk, She-Hulk she-Hawk. I would watch a She-Hawk movie as well. Um, Me too. They're trying to find a reason to out She-Hulk in front of a large amount of people. I think they could have found something better. I mean, this is this is streaming. We have you know, if you want to make an episode that's 43 minutes, fine. 
uh, an hour and seven minutes, fine, whatever, do it. So they could have done something with maybe her actually being the one in trial or some reason for her to be there. I don't know. It was, it was, that was a little bit weird, especially since that's a big villain for she in the she books, I think. Um, so I thought that was interesting. There was, what did you think about like that? You liked the fight and the training montages and all that stuff. What'd you think about this? I, I did. Um, it, well, it actually led me down a rabbit hole because the first thing I did after that was I was like, all right, so who's stronger? She Hulk or Hulk? And because it seemed like, it seemed like Hulk was kind of showing off, but I also don't think that she was trying. It, it, it seemed like she caught on a whole lot faster to a lot of the things that Bruce was trying to teach her than what he expected her to do. Kind of like he was, yeah, like she was a, a, a savant at figuring some of this stuff out. Um, but you know, then, then the fight between the two of them and she kind of went toe to toe with him. And what I found out was that a lot of the stuff that says that, that talks about the two of them and their power levels is that she Hulk is on par or perhaps a little stronger than smart Hulk, but, uh, but she Hulk does not compare at all to rage Hulk. Like, like the unbridled, just angry Hulk. She does or her strength does not compare to that. Gotcha. Yeah. Some writers take the Hulk and do like a, almost like an absorption thing. Like the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets mm-hmm. or the, or the more damage he takes. Right. And I've, I've heard that theoretically the, the Hulk is the strongest character in the Marvel universe because his power level is not capped. I mean, he is, he is as strong as he can get angry and the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. And if you keep feeding rage to the Hulk, he just gets stronger. Now, I, uh, will say that when it was like, I've been, trying to catch up on a lot of shows so i'm used to uh, in my mind i'm used to like oh i can watch the next episode now and when this was over i was almost immediately in the same mode they're like okay let's look at the oh never mind so i definitely wanted more and this is a longer series i think it's going to be eight episodes um some of the names eight or nine i think yeah, some of the names we've mentioned. It's nine episodes, because uh, Tatiana Maslany and Mark Ruffalo are both in nine episodes. Okay. So. Uh, some of the other names, of course, that we mentioned in here are like uh, Guy Plays Daredevil, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I do like the idea of a someone with powers that isn't necessarily a superhero. Has other things that they're doing. That's kind of cool. And I always a big fan of uh, seeing like almost like a museum of like past battles and stuff so when you're at at bruce banner's like little desert or beach Mm -hmm. cave hideaway bar thing Mm -hmm. you see like one of the iron man uh ultron things masks Mm -hmm. there and a couple other little elements but i kind of thought that was fun i i will admit i'm maybe a little bit worried that it will go the route of Thor love and thunder and that it'll, it'll be too campy without enough substance to balance it out. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Like the the first half of Thor: Love and Thunder, I was I was bored out of my mind because it was just too campy and too over the top, just ridiculous. And I was like, and it was relitigating things that we've already done, right? Which worries like whenever that happens with any character. I mean, no, well, we didn't, and, we didn't and they had to, to they talk. had to change and and basically roll back a lot of the character advancement that they'd done for some of these characters in order to fit it into the story. Like, I didn't get a chance to talk. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but um, Resident Alien, the second season at the very beginning, he had all of the growth that he did at the end of the previous season. Mm-hmm. Gone was gone, which was frustrating. In fact, I haven't finished the show yet because of it, and. It's not so much just that. It's the fact that, like, are you guys out of ideas already? Yeah. And that's concerning. Yeah. Um, Which I do have to finish that. I'm not giving up on it. I just, like, it was slightly exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah. So, anyway, that was uh, our review of Resident Alien and Thor, Love and Thunder, and She-Hulk. She-Hulk. Attorney at Law. I wonder if they uh, stole that title from Harvey Birdman. I think that was actually the name of the comic. Uh, not always, but it was called She-Hulk, and then every once in a while they would, like, write that underneath it, I think. Like, where they do the cursive, like, spray paint-looking stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... What do you want to hit next? Uh, do you want to end with House of Dragon, or do you want to end with the movie? Uh, let's end with House of Dragon just in case, because that was the one that people complained that we actually did spoil stuff, and they could just, like, you know, stop. Oh. And they can suck it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Black Phone. I'll let you take that one. We will talk about the Black Phone. Uh, Black Phone Black was Phone? actually released on June 24th of this year, so we're a little late to the party. It's directed by Scott Derrickson, and it does star Mason Thames, Madeline McGraw, Ethan Hawke, Jeremy Davies, E. Roger Mitchell, uh, Troy Rudisil, James Ransone, Miguel Cesares Mora, Rebecca Clark, Gavin uh, J. Gavin Wild, Spencer Fitzgerald, Jordan Isaiah White, Brady M. Ryan, Tristan Pravong, Jacob Moran, Brady Hepner, and Banks Repetta. And I I kept reading down that because there's there's a couple of people who play smaller roles, but they're actually fairly significant. Um. The synopsis basically is a shy but clever 13-year-old boy is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement. A disconnected phone on the wall rings and he discovers that he can hear the voices of the killer's previous victims. And they're trying to make sure that what happened to them doesn't happen to him. So I, I'm surprised. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I'm, what I'm surprised at is that I missed it when it came out. I didn't really know a whole lot about it other than it starred Ethan Hawke. And that was pretty much all that I knew about it. And I never really kind of like looked into it. I didn't see any ads for it. I didn't, you know, and I didn't know it was set in the late seventies. Um, because that that's an era that I've actually really been enjoying. There's been a lot of stuff that's come out for like the late seventies, early eighties, uh, as far as setting wise, that has turned out really well. Stuff like uh, Stranger Things, Paper Girls, uh, Summer of '84. I mean, a lot of this stuff that we've seen that's set in that time period has has really hit that nostalgia. You won't like it, but Licorice Pizza. 
I enjoyed it, but the yeah, what? it's not your thing. Licorice pizza. Oh, okay. It's one of those things that you watch the whole movie and you're like, well, what was the point of that? But it's more of a snippet of these people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is I, actually I kind of, of music, like a but... horror slash suspense movie. Yeah. So I saw the trailer mm-hmm. uh, before it came out in June. So I actually might have seen the trailer with licorice pizza, to be honest. Oh. But, uh, and I was like, I got like legitimately creeped out by the trailer. And I was like, I'm not scared of most movies. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of things. We've we've watched a lot of movies. Uh, as everyone that listens knows, and you know, I can't. I have a hard time with anything that puts kids in peril. Right. And, but the thing the thing that I found interesting was that was actually one of the biggest fears of our time period growing up in the early '80s was being snatched. Yes. Yep. That's true. That that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the famous uh, snatchings happened in the 80s yeah well, of course, there was a lot in the, there was a lot in the 20s and 30s because that was kind of a gangster thing but right um, i mean but the big one was was down where we lived it, you know south florida the adam walsh yeah well i was i think i was still in pittsburgh at that time oh the adam walsh one um but yeah that's and that was it and every parent you know like i found out very recently actually that i was i was talking about uh trick-or-treating with my parents with my mom and i was like oh yeah you know i think i'm at the point where ethan might will be going off and doing trick-or-treating by himself soon. So I want to kind of get one last time in with him. And she was like, yeah, you thought you were going alone when you were 10. Huh? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. we were following you around. I'm like, you know how creepy that is? <laughs> like, you're, supposed to, you're lucky that people didn't call the police on you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, that that whole thing, like, I was a little worried about that. Um, I thought it was handled fairly well. In some ways, um, you did feel for the families that lost kids. Um, not every kid that was taken was innocent, good guy kid. Um, the, although the one kid I really liked, the the fighter kid, uh, Robin. Yeah, yeah, the one that like protected him from police. Um, that one was that was hard. Uh, and to me, it was almost two movies. Yeah, there was the the first half with some jump scares, some spooky things, some suspense, and then there was the second half, like how's our hero going to get out of here? I thought, uh, which is uh, that I thought was really interesting. I think if the suspense part lasted the whole movie, I would have been like, oh boy. Well, and I mean, while I did like Robin and I liked that he protected him, I I was. I was taken aback a little bit by the by the fight scene that he had between him and the bully. I mean, I oh shit, yeah, he like he didn't stop. It, it was it was it was it was kind of like the fights that you see today, where they don't stop even when somebody stops fighting back. When someone stops moving, typically, you, you know, when we were kids, when somebody stopped fighting back, that's when the fight stopped, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but and nowadays, as we know, the head injuries, it's the swelling that. It gets you, not the, uh, not the initial injury, right? But nowadays, you don't the, people don't stop until there's like a puddle of blood, and it's like, what the, what the fuck is wrong with people? And that, I yeah. mean, that wasn't something that I remembered, you know, in the '80s, and I was a little taken. I did back. have to remind myself a little bit, like, oh, this is a horror movie when the one kid gets hit in the head with a rock, and then just starts gushing blood. Yeah, and like this thick, dark blood just pours down his head, and he like flops up against a fence for a little while, like, uh. Like, oh shit. 
So yeah. Um, what do you think of Ethan Hawke as a villain? Or I mean, he was just recently a villain in Moon Knight too, but. He was actually pretty good. And and I got to admit, I noticed while the movie was going, and I really liked the use of the two-piece mask and the mask that had different expressions. Like, he would switch expressions mm-hmm. based upon what we he was anticipating. Like, when he thought, uh, you know, Finney was going to lie to him and he had the frowny face mask on. I, I thought I saw that. Yeah. And he he came in, you know, he was standing in the shadow and then had the, you know, when Finney lied to him, then he stepped into the light and he had the frowny face mask on. But when Finney was initially there and he was good and he was behaving and everything, he was wearing the smile mask. And it was almost like it it was almost like, uh, you know, alternate personalities where, you know, if he had the smile mask on, he was fine. It was okay, Everything was good. But if he had the frowny face mask on, things were going to go bad. And if you noticed, when he first abducted him, he was wearing a mask that had no face at all. Mm. There was there was no mouth at all to the first mask, you know, because he was an unknown. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, and I, I kind of liked what they did with the whole with the whole different different uh, uh, facial expression masks. I don't know. Oops, I don't know what else uh, this guy has directed, but there was some there was definitely some some things that they did in there that were very deftly handled like um for example he lives that the the bad guy lives with his brother you told me you reminded me the brother was a drug addict so but he's kidnapping kids leaving him in a basement but they also show so that to make sure that people don't think this they also show that the kid was in the basement screaming the top of his lungs they put the camera right outside the window you can't hear anything oh okay so they like they kind of cut down on the like, well, what about this? The things which I thought was also fairly interesting. Um, I also thought the sitting in the chair outside of the door was really creepy. Yeah. Like, waiting for with, him like so with his him. shirt off, just sitting there with a the belt waiting for him to come up when he wasn't supposed to. I was like, God. Yeah. As you know, I do like a lot of true crime. Mm-hmm. Like I would say for every movie like this, I probably have watched, you know, 20 or listened to or read 20 or 30 true crime things. So what's funny is when that part happened, um, my first instinct was like, I wonder what happened to that guy. I should look it up. And then I'm like, oh, shit, this is a movie. What am I doing? Mm. <laughs> and to further our conversation from the other week with phones, um, this movie actually – I can usually judge a movie if it's like good all the way through by – if I look at my phone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look at my phone once the entire movie. Um, and it wasn't because it was in the other room. It was like on the other side of the couch. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, like, I was enthralled. Right. Doesn't mean it's the best movie ever. It just meant that it kept me, it kept moving at a decent oh, it, pace. Oh, it definitely held your attention and did not let your did not let you wander. It didn't give you time to, to you know, mm-hmm. look away or consider doing something else. Uh, I did think that the one of the interesting aspects was when they showed the family footage, the family video of um, is it Bruce? The First, the one um, Asian kid that did he hit the home? Yeah, he hit the home run. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they like randomly showed like family footage of him Your as a baby. Arms mint. Yeah. Which we will have to get through. That I thought that was very cool. The the ending sequence, where like, so like, let's do you want to talk about the phone thing? I guess sure. 
when when he gets put in the basement, everything is soundproof, and there's not really a whole lot in this basement. But there is this giant black rotary phone hanging on the wall, and he initially runs up, grabs the receiver, and tries to call for help. Tries to call nine one one, and then he realizes there's no dial tone, and he looks down, and the cord that connects the wall or the phone to the wall is frayed and broken, so it's not connected to anything. So it, it, you you can't make any phone calls on it. But we, as the, as it progresses, we find out that Finney is, I believe the only one that the guy has kidnapped that can actually hear the phone ringing. The phone continues to ring while Finney is in the basement and he knows it's not connected. So he doesn't know what's going on. And the, the kidnapper can actually hear the phone ring as well. And he thinks he's convinced that he's just making it you know that it's in his head and it's not actually ringing because he keeps insisting that the phone is broken because they won't talk to him when he picks up the phone but when finney picks up the phone the previous victims all speak to him and give him clues and stuff about things that can help save him from the kidnapper there's some interesting stuff there's um some of the stuff is in the trailer you know like a rope that was hidden along the a seam in a wall there mm-hmm. was you could dig through the the wall through the back of like a freezer that's blocking an entrance, the entryway. Yeah. Um, what, where was that freezer? Because he was side. in the basement. The fuck was he digging into? Probably the, one of those garages. Cause it was like a split level maybe, or maybe just a, maybe they just, no, it was a house. Basement. Yeah. So I'm confused as to what he was actually digging into. And it was like an industrial freezer too. And then I was like, why can't they just block the basement in half? Be weird, but you know, Uh. there's that, uh, you know, just, uh, they tried to dig out uh, under one of the little hallways. Um, you know, there's just little things like that. And they were letting him know, uh, there was an order to what, who was talking to him. It was kind of a different person each time. Heartbreaking in some cases, because Mm -hmm. the kids were, the ghostly kid voices were slowly forgetting who they were. Right. Which I thought was really, really sad. Um, but able to say a couple sentences and move on. While he was talking, they did some jump scare stuff, but those diminished, I think, as you realized that they were trying to help mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, as you mentioned, when we were talking, the, the one floating body. Yeah. Pretty damn creepy. And then the the first one that just kind of appeared over his shoulder. Those were the two jump scares. Uh, The floating one was, uh, it actually looked kind of like the closer video by Nine Inch Nails. Like back arched and head all the way back. Mm -hmm. Blood Um, pooling on the ground. Yeah. So there's kind of this whole interesting thing. And all of the stuff that he was trying to do wasn't quite working. And I was some of it was really interesting, like the carpet thing. I thought was interesting, like using the carpet as like a funnel to get the rope up to the window. Um, thought that was kind of interesting, but it all culminated into the the ability to MacGyver your way out of this shit. And I, I thought it was really interesting that the order of the voices reversed and kind of told him what to do in his head. I thought kind of cool. Did you? I'm assuming you caught that part. Um, tell me what it is that you're talking about. So, like, he sets up this whole trap, and 
spoiler alert, he there was a rope that he was supposed to use to try to pull the window down or climb up to the window mm-hmm. and scream out or look out, but he decides to use it as a tripwire. Uh, at one point when he was trying to do the window thing, the the grate on the window fell, so he uses it to like break the guy's ankle, mm-hmm. and he, there's a hole in the ground, like all of this stuff. Um, so he basically uses it to, um, to trap this guy, and as it's happening, you hear like, you know, the bully character that said, I'm going to kick your ass or whatever it is, um, plays back in his head as he's fighting the dude, like, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, and then it gets all the way up to the pit, the guy that he knew as a, as a baseball player, where it was the whole, like, you've got a wicked arm, and he, and he uses it right then, he uses it to, like, break the dude's neck. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. <laughs> I thought, I just thought it was a really cool sequence, and it took, a, again, well-written, well-directed. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Yeah, it, it it actually was a solid movie. I liked it a lot. It's definitely worth your time to watch the movie. If you if you like horror slash suspense movies, I would strongly recommend you check it out. Uh, written by the way by Stephen King's son Joe Hill, who also wrote uh, Lock and Key. Oh, nice. Um, it definitely has that feel. Joe Hill. There's one thing about Joe Hill is some of the stuff that he writes has a sadistic element to it, mm-hmm. which I could have probably, if given enough time, guessed that his stuff based on the fight that you mentioned. Sometimes his stuff goes a little bit too far, far when it comes to mm-hmm. like descriptions of the violence or how the serial killer kills. Okay. So, um, yeah, definitely worth your time. It was what, was it Paramount Plus or Peacock? Uh, Peacock. Peacock Plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I was, you know, I I was looking forward to it, uh, but a little scared too. And uh, was, you know, and loved it. speaking of going too far with violence, <laughs> how do you like that there transition? There you go, dragons. We've got the long-awaited release of the prequel to Game of Thrones, and that's House of the Dragon. Uh, yeah. If you guys do not know, we used to do a sub podcast that if you go scroll all the way back in our stream, we used to do Game of Thrones recaps. Um, where we coined the name Bernice Dondarrion. <laughs> I and and a couple others. There were yeah. a couple that came out of those podcasts. Yeah, uh, those were a separate podcast because people complained about spoilers. So that's why we're doing this last so you know you can give up you on us you right have now. a spoiler warning right now uh 10 million people watched this by the way before we get into it 10 million people watched it i was actually very concerned that the the not so great ending of the original game of thrones was going to turn people off uh that is not the case because that was one day 10 million people crashed hbo max they crashed the server yep um on top of that i don't did you see that footage of the apartment in new york mm so there's if you look look it up at some point there's a um you know when you like you can tell someone's watching TV by the flickering on the wall there's an apartment building in New York like a pretty big one and all of the flickering is happening exactly at the same time so you can see that everyone in that building for the most part uh, is watching this the exact same thing at the exact same time and the assumption is of course that they were watching um this the House of the Dragon so I thought that was kind of cool nice. When I first saw it, I'm like, what do you mean that? And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely it. <laughs> uh, so I guess uh, it is uh, HBO Max. It 
came out on August 21st. First episode did. Um, I'm going to let you do the names because I don't want to. <laughs> so we've got Patty Considine, Emma Darcy, Matt Smith, Reese Ephens, Steve Toussaint, Eve Best, Sonia Mizuno, Fabian Franco, Millie Alcock, Emily Carey, Graham McTavish, uh, David Horovich, Bill Patterson, Gavin Spikes, Olivia Cook, Ryan Kaur, Jefferson Hall, and Matthew Needham. And this is the story of House Targaryen set approximately 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones. It's really like 197, I think they say in the opening, which is yeah, something kind like of weirdly specific when that three years wouldn't really matter. But I guess that three years makes it more believable. Uh I like to go back in time and think about the first time I watched Game of Thrones because it took me a couple times before I understood all of the characters and motivations. Like when I watched the first couple episodes and then I got further into it, went back and was like, oh, okay, these people were important. Um, this is a little bit of a more concise story because it's not jumping to different regions mm -hmm. and areas and families and all that stuff. And I don't know if that's because I kind of now have read some of the books and now I sort of understand the world a lot better. It's not world building for me. It's understanding the origins of things. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I will say that I tend to run into issues with world building where there is no technological advancement or there is no technological regression if you go back in time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And it seems like, in this instance, there is no technological regression. What they have 200 years prior to the Game of Thrones is exactly what they had during Game of Thrones. Like, there was no effort to to push boundaries. There was no effort to learn. There was no effort to invent. There was no, no creative spark at all. Um, for anything to change. And I find I that think of what there might've been. I mean, there was no mention of wildfire at that point. Well, but it, I mean, it's literally the first episode. Yeah. No. So I, it, it just, it seems like I, I know that it's set 200 years before Game of Thrones, but it seems like it's set in the same time period. They could have gone a little bit more primitive just to establish the difference, but they, they didn't. They just set it in basically the same how, I mean, this is an actual question. Like, how fast did things move back in our medieval times? Well, I mean, they, they illustrated it surprisingly, surprisingly well, even in The Sandman. Yeah, I was wondering about that, like the, the first pub visit to the second pub visit. Yeah, the first pub visit to the second pub visit to the third pub visit. It was like, oh, oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, all right. We no longer have dirt floors, that kind of thing. We don't have dirt floors. They invented the printing press. They, I mean, and the printing press led to the explosion of, of the exchange of information. Um. For the most part, I, I was engrossed. I, wa I watched it weirdly because I was kind of waiting on my wife to 
come down and watch it. So mm-hmm. like, I watched some other stuff, and then when it got done, it started playing like midway through one episode, and I wasn't really paying attention to it. And then it was they played it on HBO like a million times. So actually, most of those ten million views were me watching it again and again and again nice. from different parts. Um, it kind of felt like you know watching a Christmas story where you turn it on and it's like halfway through. <clears throat> but um, I don't know exactly when I was like starting I kind of started figuring out what was going on. I thought the the opening was a really good way of just kind of introduce reintroducing you to the world and you know this king having to pick people and having to pick his heirs. I thought was interesting mm-hmm. and um they the his brother, not the king's brother but his the well the, the new king's brother being kind of a dipshit and they did a pretty good job of showing that. Um and Matt Smith's penis did not need to see Doctor Who's penis. Um, you didn't know yeah. you needed to see Doctor Who's penis. It is, uh, it is bigger on the inside. Um, that is a TARDIS reference for those of you who don't watch Matt Doctor. Uh, and there was it had everything a Game of Thrones thing show had. Yeah, death and blood and dragons and you know. Horrible people and okay people and you know a young female character that's that's trying to come into her own and and is probably going to power. go insane because they can't write good female characters. She's going to go insane out of nowhere. Yeah, um, and then get killed. Yeah, that might not actually happen. We'll see. Hopefully, they learn. <sighs> Different. I mean, this act. Uh, Remember, uh, George R. R. Martin stopped working with the other Game of Thrones people. I'm still convinced he's not going to finish the books. I didn't realize this is also based on one of his books. I didn't realize that until just today, actually. I I will say that they didn't make us wait too long for the dragons. Yes. They were right at the opening sequence. And they look great, by the way. I mean, the dragons in the show, I mean, look amazing. Look like just lots of extra, like fins and flanges and yeah and and movement scales and and, and, yeah um and like you for me the the show has been very engaging i mean we had our first and second tragic deaths already clocked oh geez that was hard (laughs) so and and uh, you know real quick what is the over under on deaths per episode for this show two or three okay we're we're going with two i'll I'll go three because then we have a more of a there's more of an opportunity for an under. Okay. I'm going to go under for the next episode. Um, There was one scene that was a little hard to watch. Wife. Um, Yeah. But that was. Or not, the testicles getting cut off. You're, you're not going to like this. But that's because I know about stuff like that that has happened. In hospitals. Yeah. Like where someone has had to make a decision. No, 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 no. Where they've done C-sections with no anesthesia and no, like totally barbaric. Oh, geez. They refused to wait the, the three minutes or whatever. Now, granted in some instances, it's, it's truly an emergency, but you know, the, yeah. I think when my wife did the, uh, my wife had a C-section where it's like here, bite on this stick. Jeez. What's the the thing where they inject into your spine? Uh, epidural. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or that, a spinal. 
pretty sure my wife told the epidural lady that she loves her more than she loves me. Oh, well, yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> I was like, hook me up. One try. Um, yeah, uh, that was that was harsh. And of course, even not only the visuals and the holding her down mm -hmm. and all of that other stuff, just the whole thing. And the lead up to it where she's like, I'm done. And like uh, any good Game of Thrones show, the the painstaking and terrible decision was for naught. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, um, which of course led to a little bit of a, I'll say a callback, but it wasn't. It's a callback for us, but you know the it's a premonition, I guess, for the where uh, the blonde chick does the funeral pyre thing, mm -hmm. Dracarys. <laughs> Dracarys. Yeah, which is very similar to the uh, when Danny did the same thing. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I mean, obviously I'm going to be in, I watched an entire, whatever, five, six seasons, whatever the previous, how many seasons of Game of Thrones? A lot. Wasn't it eight? Yeah, I think it was eight. Um, so I watched all eight seasons before. I'm not just going to stop after one episode, but of course yeah, I don't have to cause it's good. So far. Yeah. And um, I'm definitely intrigued as to where it's going to go. Cause it, it, in a way it does seem because it's not showing the whole land. It does seem like it's, uh. A little more of a concise story. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a there was a thing that I saw that was kind of interesting: the Song of Ice and Fire, which okay. some people assumed was Jon Snow and Danny. Um, some fans and people that read the books thought that the Song of Ice and Fire might have been a premonition of the White Walkers coming, which doesn't happen for another hundred years or so. Mm -hmm. And when the king picks his heir. Uh, he chooses his daughter, which is you know, it's not supposed to be a thing, but or it, technically the family hadn't done it before, I think. He chooses his daughter, and he tells her about this dream that he had of these White Walkers, and that that is why he needs to unite the kingdom, which was very cool, hmm. I thought. Uh, this apparently was a George R.R. R. Martin thing that he never actually told anyone. He just said it was in his brain, Went, and he always thought about it while he was writing, but just never put that to paper, put it in any of the shows. So he finally decided to put it out there. So I, I just think that kind of lore is cool. Yeah. That molds some lore that molds something, but you don't ever be like, oh, yeah. this, And then it gives it an opportunity to be revealed later. So that was another kind of positive thing. Oh, I believe the Frenchie is trying to get out of the room. The Frenchie is done talking about uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, shall we do our top five? I think we shall. And our top five is actually related to the prequel series, Game of Thrones. Because you know, you know, everybody knows my feelings on prequels, remakes, reboots, blah, 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 blah. So Greg actually asked, are there any that I thought were good? And that's an interesting question. So we want to know what are your top five favorite prequels. Nice. And it can be books, movies, uh, TV, whatever. Yep. So I, uh, I guess I can go first. Um, my uh, list was formulated 
over a few different days, so we'll see what happens. But um, honorable mentions, I am. Oh, by the way, with prequels, we are doing it in in the case of like you know, Star Wars came out, and then Empire Strikes Back came out. Star Wars is a prequel. No, it's not, because had Empire Strikes Back came out at first, yeah. So prequels are you know they come out after the the original thing. Correct. Even though they're telling the story before, so just that's for you guys out there. Um. So there's a couple honorable mentions. Godfather Part Two is mostly a prequel, but it's kind of fifty-fifty mm-hmm. a prequel and telling a current story. So one could say it's a flashback. It just happens to be very good, uh, and it is way more flashback than most movies. So I want to put that in as an honorable mention. Fair enough. Um, and I didn't really get into video games, but Arkham Origins was basically a prequel to you know you kind of start off as Batman Year One, which is actually frustrating when you've played the other Arkham games and you have way more powers than you do. In a game that came out many years later, mm-hmm. um, so we'll go with that. Um, I will be sure I missed a few. Okay, but um, my number five. Let's see, is um, okay. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, is a prequel to Fistful of Dollars, and for a few dollars more, that was the Dollars trilogy. Um, it came out third though, and oddly enough, it's one of the prequels that doesn't. It describes the character, but it also describes the clothing that he wears as he goes through. So that was kind of funny. Um, I very much enjoyed Bumblebee. That's my number four. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard that they're actually doing a sort of sequel to it. Um, it's going to be like the Beast Wars characters, but it's set in the same era as the Bumble and time period as the Bumblebee movie, just in the nineties. So it's going to be so like kinda... the dinosaur characters. Oh no, no Beast Wars. <sighs> so like the gorilla and. I think so. Maybe the Sharktacon kind of things, like or the Terror Cons or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I just heard about it yesterday. Hmm. So, um, I got two for number three. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Red Dragon Hannibal thing. Um, okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of weirdness with the Silence of the Lambs universe, so I'm just kind of covering it all. Um, we could all technically you could say Manhunter, but Manhunter came out before Silence of the Lambs, so we can't. We just didn't realize it, so can't really use that. Uh, number two, Rogue One. Nice. Uh, yep. Um, and that is really one A and one B with my one, because honestly, it if you ask me tomorrow, it could be flipped. But my number one is going to be Better Call Saul, mostly because that just culminated last week, and you know was great, stuck the landing, and that of course is a prequel to Breaking Bad. Uh, in fact, I in some cases it was better. I think it actually ended better than Breaking Bad. This was a little bit difficult for me as I did come across several that I was like, ooh, yeah, okay. Um, I would like to give an honorable mention to Wonder Woman. And only honorable mention because the movie that Wonder Woman was in wasn't actually her movie. It's it's a prequel in the universe, but not necessarily a direct prequel of a movie that already existed. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, because she showed up in Batman and Superman. Correct. So she only made honorable mention. Um, another honorable mention simply because there are a lot of people who don't know that Temple of Doom is actually a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Temple of Doom actually takes place before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Surprise! I was I did not know that. 
Um, but my number five is there's so many good ones, but I'm going to, you know what? I'll change up my list a little bit just because you've, you've named some of them. Um, I'll leave Bumblebee off the list. I loved Bumblebee and it was going to be relatively high up, but at number five, I'll do one that we actually just watched not too long ago. Pray. That was my number six. Pray at number five, the a prequel to the Predators. Um, my number four is going to be. My number four is going to be Cruella. Oh, that's a great one. Number four is going to be Cruella. I actually really enjoyed that that live action prequel. It was one of the few times that Disney surprised me with the movie. Both uh, Bumblebee and Cruella have a significant amount of rewatchability. Absolutely. Um, where I, when I'm doing work and stuff, those those are two go to movies that I was kind of put on in the background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's my number four. My number three. My number three is going to be the X-Men First Class. Also nice. I I actually really enjoyed the prequel kind of slash reboot of the X-Men. I thought they did a really good job with that. It was it was a lot of fun to watch and the it laid out a better story, I thought, than than some of the other X-Men movies. My number two, God, my number two is going to be Fantastic Beasts. Wow, with with uh, Dumbledore. My number one has got to be Rogue One. Loved yeah. Rogue One. It it's one of my favorite Star Wars movies. It is a prequel, and it it's just really really good storytelling. Very very dark, a la. Empire Strikes Back, you know, whatever, sets up a new hope and just, yeah, just an amazing movie. And and it hurts me that I left off movies like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the the one with Andy Serkis as Caesar. Um, those were really good. Uh, the Hobbit prequels were really good. But I don't know if those count simply because I'm pretty sure The Hobbit was actually written before Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But they Pretty did sure the wasn't. movie afterwards, so I don't know if that actually counts as a prequel. So that's why that didn't make it. Um, and then, of course, I had like Bumblebee on there and whatnot. But that that's going to be my top five. And we've got a call-in from our patron of unusual size. Alec, tell us what the best prequels in film, TV, and otherwise are. Hey, Give Me Five podcast. It's Alec. Top five prequels. Um Honorable mentions, um, Rogue One, which I know is probably higher on most people's list, and I really did like it a lot. It just um, doesn't resonate with me as much as the, the other ones on my list. And then on my research, I saw that Fast Five was considered a prequel. I've never considered, considered it a prequel, so I didn't list it here, but technically it takes place before Tokyo Drift. So, it, you know, as great as Fast Five is, I guess it could be on my list. Uh, number five, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I just I love Indiana Jones and I think that's a fun movie and it's kind of cool that it's a prequel for no reason other than they just decided to make it one. Number four is Hannibal, the TV show. The events of Hannibal take place before uh, 
actually take place even before Red Dragon or any of the other stuff that, that would have happened in the book. And it's an awesome TV show. Number three, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It was the last of the, uh, the Mayo No Name Spaghetti Western trilogies with Clint Eastwood, but it took place before the other two, and it's, a, it's an all-timer. Uh, number two, crazy, but I'm putting The Godfather Part 2 at number two. I never thought I'd put it less than number one. Um, I love The Godfather Part 2. I especially love the scenes with De Niro uh, playing Vito Corleone. I think it's probably one of the more ambitious prequels. And number one is what I think is the most ambitious prequel, and it works the best as both. Better Call Saul. You guys have heard me talk about it before. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I actually think it improves on Breaking Bad, which is crazy, but it does. And if you would have told me that they would have been able to make a prequel about Breaking Bad starring Bob Odenkirk as Saul, I would have never guessed it. But it makes you care about a lot of things despite knowing kind of how things are going to go. So that is my list. Hope you like it. Thanks. Bye. Awesome. Uh, so, Omar, can you handle the uh, contact information? Omar? It's like he's still here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, you can check us out at Gaming5Podcast.com, where all of our past episodes are. So if you want to hear our Game of Thrones stuff, just to, you know, recapture the magic. Um, you can check us out on Facebook by searching for the Gimme 5 Podcast. F-I-V-E, not the number five. Gimme 5 Pod at Twitter and Instagram. I have actually been tending to that recently. Uh, nice. Yeah. A lot of stupid animal videos. Oh, good. I apologize. Fantastic. Uh, and if you don't like those stupid animal videos, feel free to give us an email at gimme5podcast at gmail.com. And if you know anything about uh, the Discovery Takeover HBO Max and you are angry or just want that we screwed up or you want to be angry about it in general, feel free to let us know at that email address. And, of course, you want to help the show, but you don't want to give us money. That's fine. Uh, we still appreciate that, but just go on to your favorite podcast provider and write us a review. That helps out quite a bit, uh, especially in the lovely country of Rwanda, where we have been uh, number three earlier in the week. Then we went to five. Then we went to eight. We went back to three. This afternoon, we were five again. We were number five in the entertainment category of Rwanda. I have no idea what people are searching uh, to come up searching with searching for. To get our, our previous two episodes in Rwanda, or if there's just no one that watches TV podcast or listens to TV podcasts there, except for like one person, and like one listener is enough to get us like number three. So shout out to you, Rwanda. Yes. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us for this evening. Remember, like I always say, you only fail when you quit trying or fuck a goat. Omar. That's not a joke. To a time where we